Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. Whoa, we've got the show back. Okay, I've got two apologies today. Firstly, we've not done a show for a month or something. Can't do, can't do them at the weekend at the moment. So the problem then is Navara have their show at 6pm. Obviously not going to clash with Navara. So at the moment, uh, provisionally, what we're going to do is try and do it every Wednesday at 5 o'clock. I realise I only announced that about four, three hours ago. Um really on the ball at the moment. Uh, we have been doing daily videos. I hope you've been catching up with the videos that we've been doing on a daily basis. So it's not like we've been skimping on content. We've also been doing lots of interviews, including actually with the guests we've got joining us today, who many of you will recognise because of that very reason. The other apology is I set everything up, went to the gym, came back, wasn't working anymore. The room I'm in is a sauna. So what I'm doing is doing the show in my gym kit, um, which is degrading for everyone involved. But I just thought it's better to do that than than to not start on time because people get irritated with that. Anyway, we move. Okay, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the cluster F-U-C-K. I can't say the full words because you two get irritated about profanity. Um, it was a family show. Um, so we're going to be talking about the absolute calamity uh, that remains the British economy and specifically what we would describe, I suppose, as the real economy. That is how the economy feels for ordinary people. So in the mort- in the immortal words of the great philosopher, Taylor Swift, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear, in the clear yet? A very insistent questioner, that Taylor Swift, that's for sure. Now, the Tories would like to answer Taylor Swift's insistent queries with a definitive yes. They would point to the IMF, International Monetary Fund's prediction, that the UK is set to avoid a recession as evidence of this. The bar treaty has been lowered to the floor. After all, the UK has suffered the slowest and lowest growth of the G7 countries, a kind of grouped together seven industrialised countries, slightly anachronistic terminology, but you get the gist, over the last few years. That's France, US, etc. Now, the economy to most people, in a tangible sense, as I say, is how well off are you? And under the Tories, we've suffered the longest squeeze in living standards since, as I often say, the Battle of Waterloo. It's predicted that in 2026, the average worker will be worse off than in 2008. That's why today's inflation news remains so dire. So UK inflation, this is, we're going to just get some definitions correct before we continue, because the the Tories and their, I suppose, their allies would like to confuse this somewhat. Because we say, we'll, we'll say the UK inflation has fallen to 8.7%, so it's no longer in double digits. What does that mean? Well, actually, the TUC have put together, you should look, the TUC have started doing, that's the Trades Union Congress, some just helpful little explainers with actors 
So I'm just going to let them explain this very quickly for you. This bar of chocolate costs £1. If inflation is 10%, the cost rises to £1.10. Now, some people think that if inflation falls to 5%, the price of the chocolate bar would fall, that it would be £1.5, which would be great, but that's not how it works. If inflation falls to 5%, then the price of the chocolate bar is still going up by 5%. It's now £1.16. Once the price hits £1.10, the only way it can come down is if inflation is negative, which is what we call deflation. So remember, falling inflation doesn't mean stuff is cheaper it just means it's not rising as quickly as before sorry yeah that's helpful isn't it and the reason i say that is because actually some of the media reporting has not been helpful in that regard take the bbc as one um tweeter paul bernal points out so you can see in this bbc report inflation fall won't be reflected in the supermarket straight away and this, this individual points out, see, this is irresponsible. How do we expect a fall in inflation to be reflected in supermarkets? People will read that and think infl a fall in inflation means a fall in prices. It doesn't. Prices are still rising. Do you see what I mean? That kind of reporting just confuses things because people think, well, eight, that means prices are falling. It doesn't. That's why I'm talking about that. Anyway, what do we mean in practice when we're talking about just looking beneath the, the headline figures? Um, so if we look at Lewis Goodall, who used to be at the BBC, he, he tweets quite bleak latest inflation numbers. Yes, overall inflation down to 8.7%. But here's the point. That's higher than was expected. I'll come on to that. Core inflation rose by 6.8% up from 6.2%. And in, and food inflation is at an eye-watering 19.1%, crippling for the poorest and even non-poorest families. Important caveat there, because a lot of people who are on what we would describe as middle income are obviously having their living standards squeezed in a way which is obviously hurting them actually very, very severely indeed. So if we look at kind of even more beneath the figures, uh, Richard Partington, The Guardian, my newspaper, just we look at some examples of food price increases. Bread, 18.6% increase in price. Pasta, 27.7%. Meat, 17.2%. Milk, cheese and eggs, 29.3%. Certainly notice the eggs myself. Olive oil, 46.4% and sugar, 47.4%. So the point there is, if we just look at the headline figure, it's obviously much more complicated than that because when we're actually talking about food and particularly food stuff we rely on, it becomes even more acute. Um, and indeed, what that will mean, if we look at, at Richard Conway, um, who writes, and, and we'll talk about this with my brilliant guest, James Midway, shortly. After today's higher than expected inflation, traders in financial markets are now betting that UK interest rates will rise above 5% later this year, perhaps close to 5.5%. Not long ago, they thought they'd peak below 5%. Now, we're going to talk about the Bank of England strategy there in terms of hiking up interest rates, because some of you will think, well, they don't have a choice now because of inflation. That itself is worth unpacking. Just in terms of uh, inflation, how we compare... Britain has Western Europe's highest inflation rate. So we are up to, as you can see, significantly above. Oh, this was on the last one, sorry. But we remain at the top of the lead. There's 10.1% there, I see there. Uh, but nonetheless, we are at, remain very much firmly at the top. For example, the G7 countries. It's not good. So we will talk about this with James Moodway, the brilliant economist, in a second. Please like and subscribe. I know I've just, I've just thrown this live show at you with no notice. But, you know, we'll bed it in. Uh, as Keir Starmer says about conservative legislation, <laughs> chuckle. Um, so we'll 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 do this at Wednesday at five o'clock, and then we'll we'll get into a rhythm, and then we'll be okay. So I'm sorry I just sprung this upon you. 
with no preparation. Um, do like and subscribe. Do support us on patreon.com forward slash ownjazz84. We're doing the show on this issue because I asked people earlier when I sprung it on people on Patreon, uh, what should we do? And, you know, top suggestion. Top was food prices. So we're talking about inflation and all the rest of it. Um, and um, you can also support the show on Super Chat. I will, I, for example, uh, here we go. Um, one Angry Pagan. Britain is an new Anarin Bevan. Agreed. I'd take an Anarin Bevan, that's for sure. We do not have an I Bevan on the Labour front bench, I'm afraid. So I will read out um, people's Super Chats, put them to James Midway, and at the end, I will thank everyone. And remember, because otherwise, I'll get in trouble, and we don't want that to happen. Also, listen to us on the podcast. Okay, that's enough for me. Let me bring in the brilliant James Meadway, who is also, by the way, the presenter of the fantastic podcast that everyone needs to listen to and support, Macrodose. So just Google James Meadway Macrodose. Um, that, that works, doesn't it? Uh, and, and, and support it. it. It's brilliant. James is one of the best economic thinkers we have. I would say. Um, so you should listen to... I don't want to interrupt you here. This is all very nice. Good. Oh, James, <laughs> all of a sudden, you're, yeah. you've gone all... You were fine when we did our little tech test, but now you sound like a Dalek. I don't know no, what's that's, happened. That's, that's, uh, I, I don't know what's happened either. Now, is, is this better now? Is it working okay now? Kind of worse. Kind of worse. I'm trying to work out what happened because you were literally so lucid and clear when I spoke to you eight minutes ago. But now you've become a kind of... God. Is it your? If you take out your headphones, what would happen? Oh, maybe, um, probably nothing. But does oh, that work? Yeah, it's actually really good now. Yeah. Any difference at all? Very, very completely different. Completely different. Yes. No. Complete. Yes. Completely different. Oh, fantastic! Right there we go. Yeah, Let's do that. You sound really. Yeah. Sorry. It, it oh, just sounded bizarre. like. Um, someone says, "Is a wire audio port to your mic or speakers plugged on both sides?" That might be. Someone it. says, "You need to wiggle some cables." No. <laughs> now people are saying great now okay so, let's do this thank you for doing my first resume show which has done it very short notice including for you you did it very short because i just sprung it up That's on right. you uh very very recently yeah okay i just want to start with um just how bad is this situation how bad is it because it wasn't expected as i said this is worse than expected so when we mean worse than expected what do we actually mean in terms of how bad that actually is well, worse than expected here is lots of economists taking a guess on what inflation is going to be and getting it wrong. So, so you know, your expectations around this are, are determined by what economists might think about the near future, and they're often wrong about the near future. Um, so that's that's kind of where we are now. The thing that the government wants us to focus on is the International Monetary Fund's big country report. They do this for basically every country in the world, every so often on a kind of rotor basis. They turned up and uh, did a country report for us and uh, said that actually we, we don't think the economy is going to end up in recession this year. It's going to grow very, very slightly. Uh, and the government are clinging on to this because you've gone from a situation where you're definitely doing worse than basically every other developed uh, economy to one where you're doing perhaps slightly better than one or two of them and no recession. But it's pathetic, right? This is an, an unnoticeable amount of growth is what the IMF are forecasting. It won't, won't make any real difference to what people actually experience in the economy if they're right. I mean, it is a forecast for the rest of the year. It's not you know, it's still got six months to go. It's not actually necessarily true. But this is what Jeremy Hunt and the rest of the government want us to think about. The problem they have is inflation is still really, really very high, uh, much higher than it has been for well, decades, and especially for food, which is the bit that I think people really notice. The, the overall inflation rate is, is a kind of average. 
it's put together by the Office of National Statistics to give a sort of average sense of what the average household might experience as price rises. That means underneath it, lots of things can rise much, much faster, like you showed. Uh, the price of bread, the price of olive oil, eggs, this sort of thing. Overall food, in food inflation is now the highest in the G7, that group of richer countries. 19.1% uh, it is now. So it's come down ever so slightly, but it's still massively high, closest way, the highest it's been for you know 46 years or thereabouts. Can I, in terms of food prices, because mm -hmm. um, Richard Murphy, uh, who is a, I suppose he's a, he's a very leading accountant, um, has tweeted, food prices are falling dramatically in world markets. Why then is food price inflation running at 19%? Why is food price inflation so much worse in the UK? One, I don't want to get, start making excuses to Tories, classic Tory apologists, because I remember, you know, the fact when Ireland doesn't help, as far as I know, yeah. like, that could be yeah. something to do with it. But is is it, are there, is it is Brexit, for example, the, or the Conservative, the, the hard Brexit we have, has that made things worse? It has added some, right? There's estimates from the Centre for Economic Policy Research that say it's added about three percentage points to, to what we see as food price inflation here, uh, 3% and 3% and the, the year before. So it, it does account for some of it, but that three percentage points doesn't give you 19%. So it's not all of it. Um, a great chunk of it is we are an island and we are relying on things being imported and particular price movements amongst that. So olive oil is one that really stuck out in the last sort of few months or so can really sort of distort the overall picture uh, there. And then, of course, there's this final bit of it, which is something that the uh, supermarkets are very keen to deny is happening. But you stack up some of the evidence and it doesn't look great for them. But when you find that the biggest three supermarkets in the country have seen their profits double in the last two years or so. Now, at the moment, they're saying, oh, well, we're under pressure as well because prices are still high in the rest of the world. There's there's a little bit more to it. And there's a certain amount of political pressure on the government, although they're refusing to do this at the minute, to investigate competition among supermarkets. Is there this problem where you don't have many companies so they all just stick their prices up, they can get away with it, and they have this thing that, that gets called greedflation, where companies realise they can put up prices. They do. They make huge profits. We saw it last year with energy, and we're seeing something very similar happening all around the world with food over the last year as well i mean is the other kind of disturbing element of that overall then that we know energy prices are coming down and basically mm -hmm. almost the entire reduction and it's smaller overall than as you say some economists thought it would be uh, and got it wrong uh, but it, it, it's basically that that's all that's happened yeah. basically the big surge in energy prices is subsiding and that's the only thing that's come down yeah, that's it. That's almost entirely it. There's a few other minor bits and pieces that you We're can... We're back to the electronic thing. I'm trying to work out why. Oh, no. Um, going a bit... That's um, very strange. Can you hear me at all now? Or is oh, we, it can just... hear, we, can, we can hear you. But it comes and got, goes. How strange. It's just got a kind of... Um, hmm. Am I doing a good impression of that, everyone? That's the kind of gist. I'm just going to see <laughs> if other people have an idea about why you are... Grout why there's electronic gremlins. That's very Go odd. I mean, we can hear you. It's just, just it's, it's a factor. It's a factor. Um, but I think carry on because what you're saying is brilliant. So okay, know. all right, let's just do that um, and hope it sort of oh. works. No, no, it's bad. <laughs> James, why don't you just log back in? Yeah, all right, I'll try that. Just try that. Come back in. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, right, let's do that. We'll do that. Oh, move any. It could be it's some kind of interference, but we can hear. Yeah, move phones away. Mic too mm. close to other electronics. Yeah, that seems possible. How's that? See if that works. I've unplugged a bunch of things. Any better? No, no, not really. I'll try the login back in. That, that's usually your. Oh right, yeah. Okay, yeah, that does work. Right. Okay, we will carry on. We'll, we'll move, everyone. We'll move. 
Um, what I was going to do, I mean, I, I might just put this on now, actually, just while we're waiting, because it's just, because we're, we're going to get back, obviously, to um, the, we're going to get back to what we're talking about. Uh, but I want to just put this on just as a clip because it's irritated me. And we'll talk about it later. How many work visas were issued to foreign nationals last year? Prime Minister. Uh, well, <laughs> Mr Speaker, the new statistics, as the Honourable Gentleman knows, uh, will be out later this week. The most recent statistics we have... The most recent sister we had, as the ONS said at the time, contained a set of unique circumstances, including welcoming many people here for humanitarian reasons. The figures are out. It's a quarter of a million work visas were issued last year. He knows that answer. He just doesn't want to give it. And the new numbers tomorrow are expected to be even higher. The Prime Minister stood on three Tory manifestos, each one promised to reduce immigration. Each promise broken. They all stood on those manifestos as well. Why does he think his Home Secretary... Order. Order. I'm going to hear this question. Those who don't want to hear it, we know the answer. Here's Starmer. They all, they all stood on those manifestos. So why does he think his Home Secretary seems to have such a problem coping with points-based systems? Yeah, I mean, that's irritating, isn't it? What what Keir Starmer, who stood in the leadership election saying he wanted to defend free movement and made a passionate case for why free movement was great, is now attacking the Conservatives for the right on the issue um, of immigration. Um, I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, that the Tories promise one thing and deliver another, but that's fueling the idea that we have too much immigration. Immigration is a bad thing, rather than immigration enriching our economy, our society and our culture. All it does is shift discourse even further to right on the issue of immigration. And um, it was rightly condemned by the SNP, who actually yelling at him, uh, um, you should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, it just underlines again that Keir Starmer stood on a pack of lies, but also didn't just con the left, but liberals, because he's not just a bad social democrat, he's a bad liberal. Bad on, he's not liberal on Brexit, he's not liberal on immigration, he's not liberal on electoral reform. Anyway, while I was waiting for James, I just wanted to make that point, just Starmer bash for a while. Let's hear you. Yes. Right. Are we you working? You sound great. Oh, fantastic. Right. Better than ever. Good. Um, Where do we get to? Yeah. Well, yeah. People were suggesting it was a loose connection, by the way, but I mean, who cares? But we got there. Um, so, yes. Okay. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, why we, we, we covered why inflation was higher mm -hmm. than other places, partly. What in terms of, I want to talk about this whole point about interest rates, because interest yeah. rates are going high, and what the Bank of England keeps doing is hiking them up. And now because their view is to bring down inflation, you have to hike up the cost of borrowing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, essentially what that will do is, well, I mean, it will, it will suck growth and yeah. uh, out the economy. It will make people who aren't savers poorer. What's your take on the Bank of England strategy and why isn't it the correct way to bring down inflation? It's, com it's completely wrong. Um, it's completely wrong because the, the mechanism here, just, just to be very clear about what they're trying to do, is, is like you say, if you put up interest rates, you're the Bank of England, you put up interest rates, so borrowing becomes a lot more expensive. That means people will borrow less and they'll spend less. If they spend less, firms will tend to employ fewer people. And if you employ fewer people, you have more unemployment. If you have more unemployment it's usually harder for workers to ask for higher pay 
like they're scared of the sack. They're scared if they go on strike, they lose their job. That's the kind of fear factor they try and kick in there. And that's the mechanism they, they want to have to happen. That's how the interest rate is supposed to operate. It's supposed to basically intimidate people into not asking for higher pay. Now, the problem you've got is that actually people's pay is nowhere near rising as fast as inflation. Even if inflation's come down a little bit, people aren't being paid as much as the rise in inflation, particularly if you're in the public sector, obviously. So none of this makes much sense. But the Bank of England doesn't have very much in the way of any other tools to hand. There's a few other more obscure things it can try and do. But basically, it's told it has to fight inflation. And it's given one thing to do that with. And there's one way it works. So it goes out and bashes away at this thing. And all the central bankers, uh, Hugh Pill, the chief economist, um, Andrew Bailey, the governor, they all try and make up reasons why they're doing this. But when they're pushed, that's the story they give. They know full well it's not going to work because inflation still is not coming from people's pay. It's coming from big external factors, rising the price of food we import, for instance. Last year, it was energy we were importing. So fiddling about the interest rate doesn't make a difference. But that's what we end up doing for the rest of the year. Some would say if we look at inflation and, you know, obviously the impact that's having on the yeah. economy and the Bank of England. So the Bank of England... That's independent from the government. Yeah. New Labour made that so back in 1997. Um, also, um, you know, there's lots of external factors at work. Why? Why is there? Why? What case is there to mount against the Conservatives for the situations we're in, or the failure to deal with the impact of it? Well, the failure to deal with the impact of it is uh, the primary one to me looks like what they're trying to do to public sector workers on strike. Like if, if you go, the Treasury sort of admit this, if, if you poke them a bit, that the reason they want to limit pay increases to no more than 5% in the public sector, that's kind of their target. That's the top end of what they, they will want to give away, give away. That's what they want to pay people. Um, Inflation is over 8%. So it's a big real terms pay cut. They want to do that. So it doesn't encourage other workers in the private sector to also think they can have inflation matching at least pay rises. So that's one of the things they're doing that's failing people here. They are deliberately having these strikes, giving terrible deals, trying to give terrible deals to public sector workers to both hold down their pay and so frighten everybody else. Whereas actually, when you've got this sort of inflation coming from energy prices, coming from food prices, the quickest way to deal with it for most people is to say that actually we can put up wages to, to match some of that, so help cover some of the costs. The other thing they're really failing on and starting to fail on, they eventually had to move last year on energy prices, the energy price guarantee, which is going to be an announcement about tomorrow. So that'll be the price cap probably coming down. It's still going to be probably 60% higher than it was 18 months ago, but it's going to come down a bit. So that's a cutting cost for some households at least. They're not moving on food prices. And there's other countries now where governments are doing deals with retailers, imposing price controls. France was one of the latest. Bulgaria did it earlier in the year. There's a good case of saying on essential items, on things that uh, inputs into making other food, cereal, that sort of thing. You should be in a position as government to say to retailers, you need to hold the prices down on this. You need to clamp down on profits. And we can actually impose a law that says you, you do this. The government aren't anywhere near doing this. They had a whole meeting of farmers and food retailers at number 10 Downing Street last week. This simply wasn't discussed. They're not serious about dealing with the worst bit of inflation that most people are facing right now. I mean, what do you think about the, you know, the fact we're likely to have an election Either in May 2024, one reason for that is the local elections are in May yep. 2024. And the danger is, from the Conservatives' perspective, is they'll get, if they get a kicking in those elections, 
that's bad. It will drag them down and the polls lower, and then it will make a general election result worse. So you just might as well do it in May. Mm-hmm. Um, but that inflation will have come down very substantially by then. What do you think about that? That actually the economic outlook is going to get a lot better, albeit from a bad place, but enough for them to spin, well, actually things have improved substantially. There's a couple of things in that. The first one is that if you look at, for example, what the IMF is saying, what the Bank of England is saying about inflation, they all expect inflation to be higher for much longer than they would have said six months ago. Six months ago, there was a story which, okay, there's a big surge in energy prices. This will disappear. Inflation comes back down rapidly to 5%, 2%. The, the official forecast has inflation turning negative uh, into next year, at the end of next year. I mean, pretty wild stuff. Now, that obviously isn't going to happen because food prices are still incredibly high and rising. And it's going to be a while before that surge of food price inflation we've had drops out. But the other big problem, and this is kind of the more serious longer term bit, is that, look, if you go and see what, for instance, the Far- National Farmers Union is saying, or, or you go and talk to the, the, the National Drought Group about what's going to happen to the situation with harvest and agriculture and another dry spell and possibly a drought in Britain this summer. I mean, that affects whether you can grow food. That affects the price of food. Olive oil across Europe has shot up in price because there's droughts in Spain, which means you can't grow olives, you can't make the olive oil, so the, the stuff costs more. So all of this starts to stack up into actually a long-term serious problem that doesn't go away because climate change doesn't go away at the next election. James, sorry, again, I mean, I was, I was going to ignore it, but it is there again. I'm sorry, it's just because people, <laughs> people are making comments about, no. about bees and, the da- and Daleks and so on. Okay, just two suggestions. Do you have mm-hmm. background programmes yeah. open? Uh, I've closed everything. That's right. Yeah, no, it's all closed. It's yeah, all it, what's weird is it gets quicker. It, get, it starts fine, and then it yeah. just goes, it rises, um, which is why I thought I was going to grimace it out and then thought it'd be fine. But I think it's got to the point where the buzz is actually slightly louder than your voice. Someone says it might be audio. This is great. We combine this. Yeah, uh, a session on inflation, but also on, on audio interviews. <laughs> I might I might clip this bit for people having this problem if we solve it and then just make that a little video. Right, okay. People said audio enhancement in settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, audio, that might be me. Maybe if I... Okay, let me do that because my producer just left. It's just gone out um, because I did this so impromptu. Okay, guess. Here we go. Um, if I click on you and I edit your mic settings... Echo cancellation. Speak now. Okay, how's that? Any better? Do you think it it's going to work? work? If I keep talking, it, it might it be It actually okay. is working. Yeah. I think it. I think okay. that has. I'm echoing now, but I think we can solve the problem. Right. Right. Good. Okay. This is great. That's great. Um. So, uh, sorry, I got distracted by what we're talking about there. Okay. So, let's talk about uh, Labour Party because yeah. we're. You know, you said it's quite interesting, and um, about Rachel Rees was doing a conference speech. Yep. I'm muting you, so I'm not echoing while I'm speaking. So Rachel Rees will back an emergent global consensus, she wrote, on the economy involving an active state, muscular industrial policy, friend-shoring, supply chains away from China, and high labor standards. Um, so the clearest statement on, as you write, um, where labor's thinking is uh, been going. But you can't do this on the cheap. Biden is spending dollars, uh, huge amounts of money, you say. It's 2017, minus if labor doesn't spend to, uh, to match ambitions, either from borrowing or taxing the rich. Right. I will unmute you there so you can you can respond. So yeah, in terms of where you're at, what you think of Reeves' speech and where Labour are at on this issue. They've sort of 
it's been where they've been heading for a while, which is a slightly unusual place. That they, they, for, for a long time, they've said and dropped hints that they quite like what Joe Biden is doing, and that's a model for them. And, and Rachel Reeves went all the way to Washington to, to basically sort of say that we would like to do Bidenomics, and that's how the Financial Times has reported this. And she has a pamphlet out uh, as well today that says the same kind of thing. So this means lots of industrial policy, so investment to make bits of the economy work better and create jobs across the whole country, friendshoring the idea that you'll have closer trade deals with, with countries that you're friendly with. You know, um, so you, you try and bring production and manufacturing and growing things back uh, into, into Britain. Lots and lots of things that is completely different to, to what New Labour uh, would have said, you know, 20 years ago. Rachel Reed says this, that the era of hyper-globalisation is over, it's a different world now, and that sort of thing. All this is kind of good in terms of let's have more government intervention to create jobs uh, and to deal with you know, climate change. The problem is that she then insists that there's no money to actually do this with, whereas Biden, you know, surprising many, has gone out and said, we're going to spend a load of money, and they are spending a load of money investing in really heavily in sort of green technology now, in semiconductor manufacturing, and lots and lots of things around that. I mean, colossal, hundreds of billions of dollars. Britain, under Labour at the minute, it's not really there. And even the £28 billion a year that they were sort of clinging on to as their green investment pledge, quietly dropped from Rachel Rees' speech today and hints that it's just going to disappear entirely. So it's a really peculiar combination of going, we want government to do more, we're not going to have any money for government to do more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I mean, yeah, David Bratter, I mean, a lot of comments on this. David Bratter, uh, what we see... What we've seen so far, how do you think Keir's label perform managing the economy? Just on that, I mean... I suppose, you know, because the, what they've done is they ruled out increasing income tax and corporation tax. Their position is that let, that we have an overtaxed economy, and that I mean, I'm interested when they say we've got the highest tax burden uh, since the war. Just, just, just be interested. Have your take on that. It's just Joe Biden's rhetoric. If you look constantly talking about how we need to tax the rich more, how we need to tax the top one percent more, and. Um, so obviously, you know, far to the left in his rhetoric than anything that you hear from Starmer um, or Rachel Reese. They're talking about, for example, ad- abolishing non-dom states. Well, that's not going to raise anywhere near the amount of money, even a fraction of the amount of money they, they need. So given the Liz Truss debacle, they w- how on earth would they be able to do anything which deals with the multiple crises affecting the country, the, the decimation of the public realm, the fact you know, various public services, including the NHS, are falling to pieces, that infrastructure, the cost of living crisis. 
I mean, it, it just looks like they'll raise expectations, but then dash them very brutally if they're not prepared to increase taxes on the on the rich to, to, to pay for anything. Well, the story from Rachel Reeves and Keir Starmer and every other sort of Labour front bencher is that we're going to have growth and this will pay for all the good things we have. They say, oh, new Labour had loads of growth and that's how we we're able to pay for more spending in the NHS, which is all kind of, all right, let's imagine the growth happens, but that means you have to wait for the growth to turn up. You're not dealing with the fact the NHS is falling apart uh, right now. And, and you know, Rachel Reeves does say this, the, the sort of conditions that you had when you were new Labour in the early 2000s, the world economy is growing, there's cheap money to borrow uh, for everyone forever, or so it seemed. Um, those conditions aren't climate change. It wasn't really an issue in the developed uh, world. Like, these things don't apply anymore. So you're going to have to do more, and you're going to have to mobilise the resources, the funding, to go and do that. And the quickest way to do this actually is to either tax people or to borrow more. They've ruled out and they are ruling out both of those things on the highest tax burden uh, for 70 years. Look, this is it's a question of who actually pays that. It's not about like, oh, we in general have this high tax burden. If I am a non-DOM resident in the UK, I have no tax burden whatsoever. Right? If I've hidden all my immense assets in various tax havens around the world, my tax burden is absolutely tiny. It's the rest of us who end up carrying more and more. That's the problem there. They don't say that. If they said, oh, working people carrying it or something like this, it'd be a different way of thinking about the question. But this generic tax burden, I'm afraid, lets a load of people who could pay more tax and should be paying more taxes right off the hook. James, that's been brilliant. Despite the bees, the bees have returned slightly, I'm, I'm afraid to say. I don't know why, but we did hear, I think, loud and clear, the va- I mean, we did, I mean, we, we, we got, I'm looking at it the comments. Enough. Very much so. Huge, huge love. Despite, I mean, the, I think extra love because people were willing on the wisdom despite the, um, the invasion of the bees. Um, but seriously, as ever, your wisdom is um, much, much appreciated. Do nice. do listen to Macrodose, which does not feature bees or wasps or Daleks. Uh, just James's undiluted wisdom. Um, but that was that was brilliant as ever, James. And thank you for joining us despite the um, despite the invasion. I'll speak to you soon. Design. Thank you. Speak See you, you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Um, and then the bees went again. I don't know what that's. Don't know what that was about. We have literally no idea what happened there. Uh, thank you, everyone, in the, co- in, in the in the in the comments for for the technical assistance. Um, what I might do then is because um, I'm still here. Let's if, let's do just a random questions. What I'm going to do while I'm waiting. So just think of some questions, and then we can just have a little discussion. Just me and you lot without the bees interfering. Um, just one thing while I was just perusing, waiting to. Oh, I need to come back. The, wait a minute. Just before I do that, there's some other comments which I missed. Um, what the solutions are. This is one angry pagan. What the solutions are. As a socialist, that's what I think the conversation should really move on to. Tory distractions as much. James did um, obviously cover some of that, but we got we got overtaken. Uh, Rachel is cliche central, full of vacuous words. Yeah, I mean, she's securonomics in her speech. Um, bizarre. Um State daft, this is a holiday for their eyes times two. Also a holiday for the soul. Use both makes sense. Yes, James does make sense, despite the invasion of the bees. So while I'm waiting for you to come up with, let's just have a, you know, us lot have a discussion together about what's going on in the world. Anything you want to talk about, let me know. Um, I was going to bring in this utterly bizarre, I'm just going to wait for this. <laughs> just in terms of the state of right-wing politics uh, in the United States. And I think this is this is relevant because... 
obviously, uh, what we've seen is a feedback loop. <laughs> I should not speak about feedback loops. Um, we, we can see a very, a very strong uh, dynamic between the US right and here, and generally what happens in the US right affects us here. Just in terms of some of the discourse, this is Candice Taylor, who ran for governor in 2022 and recently became a, a uh, Republican district chair in the state of Georgia. Let's just listen to this clip. More and more, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. So is it or not? I don't know 100%, but it's just, it doesn't make sense the other way. It, now that you see it. it. Is the, the people that defend the globe don't know anything about the globe because if they knew a tenth of what Matt and I know about the globe, they would be flat earthers because it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I can't unsee this. All the globes everywhere. I turn on TV. There's globes in the background. There's globes on there right here. Like this would be a globe if I was a normal person. Like everywhere there's globes. You see them all the time. I mean, it's constant. My children will be like, mama, globe, 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 globe. They're everywhere. And that's what they do to brainwash. And so for me, if it is not a conspiracy, if it is, you know, real, why are you pushing so hard everywhere I go, every store, you buy a globe, there's globes everywhere, every movie, every TV show, news media, why? Just some right-wing Americans discussing the earth being flat. And we joke, I think a few years ago, you might have gone, I think the, the thing about what I mean, where the kind of hard right has got to in the United States increasingly here is it, there's nothing stopping it just becoming ever more unhinged. <laughs> you kind of think it'll just stop at a certain moment. But then it just it, it's developed a kind of logic of its own. And um, they're literally now having discussions about the earth being flat. That was a candidate for governor of the United States. Anyway, I just thought <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that in. <clears throat> while I was waiting for uh, some suggestions and comments. Oh, yeah, just while I, g I keep going through, Tad Campbell, welcome back, bees and all. Thanks, Tad. It's slightly unfortunate that the first show back we did was overrun by bees. Um, um, let's have a look. Oh, yes, this is from David Baratta. This is DeSantis uh, versus Disney. Uh, so there's this mass... So for those who don't know, Ron DeSantis is a scary guy. He's actually uh, the governor of Florida. And what he's trying to do in Florida is basically... He's kind of a, a brand of right-wing politics, which you kind of, it looks essentially to Hungary. Hungary is ruled by a party called Fidesz, which used to be regarded as a center-right party. It radicalized in power and became a far-right dictatorship, anti-Semitic, viciously racist, uh, abolished the right to be trans, very generally anti-LGBTQ, uh, waged war on civil society. And Ron DeSantis has very much gone down that path uh, introduce horrific anti-LGBTQ laws, including Don't Say Gay, which bans the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity. At first in for schools with younger children, but now the idea is to ban it for all kids. Also to ban, um, essentially, you know, introducing a law banning trans people from using the right toilets and introducing mandatory genital inspections. You think I'm joking, don't you? Maybe some of you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. Um, so basically, he's got this fight with um, uh, with Walt Disney um, at the moment over the issue of um, LGBTQ rights uh, because uh, there's this year-long feud, basically, because Disney spoke out against um, uh, these anti-LGBTQ laws. Uh, so they he stripped Disney World of its self-governing status 
um, and changes to its tax and even floated the idea of building a state prison on the border of the park. And I think, I mean, I mean, you know, because partly I do sometimes have a critique of kind of what I regard as pinkwashing by companies who, you know, you know, but look, LGBT rights is not going to be advanced by corporate titans. What I think this does, you know, I think it's welcome anyone speaking out in favour of LGBT rights. I'm not a believer in capitalism, but you know, any 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 voice in support of the LGBTQ rights, I think, is is obviously welcome. Um, but what this underlines is his obsessive anti-LGBTQ um, agenda, um, and um, it, it, I think it's a harbinger of what is to come. Because actually, you know, he's not likely to be the Republican candidate. Donald Trump is almost certain now, partly because actually the court cases Donald Trump has had has martyred him even more with the kind of hard right of the United States. Um, so on that basis, you know, you know, and Trump's really gone swinging for DeSantis. I think it'd be quite a vicious, it'd be quite interesting if, you know, DeSantis versus Trump in the primaries will be a, a vicious, you know, because they'll keep, you know, DeSantis's role, I think would quite be disturbing there, is his only hope is to kind of outflank Trump from the right Um and what that will do is push Trump to be more extreme because actually Trump has already seen, compared to his last time, um, in both in 2020 and 2016, taking he's going for trans rights. They're, they're gonna, the Republicans are going to make trans rights a big, big issue in the 2024 presidential election. It's, it's deeply disturbing and unhinged how, you know, I think what historical precedents show what happens when minorities are used... Um, by right-wing demagogues in vicious wars. Um, yeah, so I think uh, it just shows where things are heading in Florida, uh, but more broadly, which is anti-LGBTQ politics have been emboldened. We can see it, you know, obviously I've mentioned Hungary. Italy has a government where, you know, its politicians have, you know, very much against, you know, swung, come swinging against abortion, uh, sorry, adoption rights. Um, for uh, same-sex uh, couples. And, of course, in Britain, we can see a vicious anti-trans war. You know, you can see how thing, far things have come. Theresa May, in 2018, was supporting reforming gender recognition. Um, and now the Tories are, you know, waging a militant war against the very notion of trans rights, um, including stripping away Scotland's attempt to shift it in line with Ireland and Spain, Argentina and Malta, um, and uh, the Netherlands. Um, so, you know, this is obviously a disturbing time for LGBTQ people, particularly our trans siblings. And that's what I think I would partly say there. Um, um, sorry, Starmer. Sorry, someone said, is Starmer lying just to get elected again? Yeah, interesting this, isn't it? Because Keir Starmer objectively did lie to become um, leader of the Labour Party. And I think it's important to say that because the problem with um, the dishonesty of politicians is a you know, a fish rots from the head down. What happens is it's not just the dishonesty of that politician. What then happens is their partisan supporters have to themselves become dishonest in order to defend their leader. They have to be dishonest about his dishonesty and claim it's not dishonest. Uh, it's very Orwellian and um, that you are supposed to disregard your lying ears and your lying eyes and what you can hear and see um, isn't true. And actually, Keir Starmer never said that we should uh, nationalise utilities or increase taxes on the rich or have free movement um, or stand on trade union picket lines during industrial disputes. 
or abolish tuition fees um, or support electoral reform. Um, you know, and that or, you know, that circumstances have changed. And the reason you, you know that that's a lie when he became elected is he supported nationalisation. He was asked by Andrew Neil during the leadership contest if nationalisation of all utilities will be in the Labour manifesto. And he said yes. But then after the leadership election, he was asked by Lord Connersberg uh, about his support for nationalisation. He said he'd never supported nationalisation. So the point there is he is objectively a liar. And you have to say that because if you don't, otherwise truth gets abolished. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what happens, isn't it? If, if you can't say lies are lies anymore, then that's, that's it. Black is white, white is, uh, you know, up is down. The sky is bright purple. I mean, nothing make, nothing means anything anymore. Everything, everything, you can say what you want. It's Trumpian. It's what, it's what Donald Trump does. You just, you lie so much and you, 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 you know, you knit such a web of lies and you do so many lies that it, it doesn't really matter anymore because you just normalize lying and it, there's just too many lies and there's so much dishonesty that people just give up. That's what, that's what he's, I'm not saying he's the same as Donald Trump, um, but um, obviously in terms of his political content, but you know, he, he did lie and it's important to say he did lie. It's not just that circumstances have changed. Circumstances haven't changed in the economy to, for him to go, well, we need to reform um, the electoral system. And then for him to go, well, actually, no, I don't support electoral reform. That isn't, that's just dishonesty, isn't it? Um, is he lying again, though? So, okay, some Starmer, this is another Starmer theory, a Starmer theory, that actually what's happened is he's double bluffing. That actually he's lying to the electorate. And what will happen is when he becomes prime minister, he will do all the pledges that he said he would when he became, when he was starting to be leader. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. His view with lying to the Labour membership was that they're not legitimate political actors or they won't be treated as such. Uh, the left are seen as illegitimate. The media hate the left. Therefore, if you lie to Labour members and the left, the media won't care uh, particularly uh, and will regard it as good politics because anything that marginalises the left, however deceitful or, 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 or you know, you know, however low you get in your tactics, that's good politics. Um, doing that to the electorate obviously isn't the same thing. You won't have a man, you know, the idea that he surrounded himself with Blairite advisors who believe in Blairism and he's stopped left-wing people getting selected as candidates, people who believe in public ownership, but people who believe in the things he stood for as Labour leader, like nationalising utilities, abolishing tuition fees, uh, increasing taxes on the rich, um, yeah, so, I mean, why he wouldn't be lying in order to get elected by restoring his pledges because he surrounded himself and stuffed the Parliamentary Labour Party with people who don't believe in any of those things. So, no, he's not lying to get elected. And um, in that, I mean, I'm sure he'll lie about very, I don't, I mean, he will, I'm sure. But he's, he's, I think he's got the affliction of Boris Johnson now that he's so dishonest, he doesn't know where truth and lies begin and end. So I'm sure he'll do various other acts of dishonesty. But if people are asking, will he be more, will he reenact those pledges? No, because it doesn't make any sense, because otherwise he wouldn't have surrounded himself with people who don't believe in them. Um, please don't engage with flat earthers. It diminishes us all. They're immediately ridiculous, which we all ultimately are. And I'm sorry, I just thought it was quite amusing. And we need, I needed to just, before I was getting questions in after the bees debacle, I just wanted to... 
um, just put some amusing content in. But also, I think it is interesting about the right radicalizing, where that's leading to all sorts of wacky places. Uh, Tab count, well, not a question, but Sinn Féin's will and the win in the local Northern Ireland council elections is an interesting development on from the DUP's attempt uh, to stop um, uh, change. That is actually really interesting. And actually, there was an interesting piece in The Guardian uh, by Sarah Creighton, who is a lawyer, writer, political commentator, and um, which was entitled Unionism is in Crisis in Northern Ireland and Sinn Féin is becoming an election-winning uh, machine. And she just said that, you know, it was created to secure an inbuilt Protestant unionist majority, obviously, that um, now, despite that attempt to gerrymander, because the whole point was you had the island of Ireland and then you got six counties, four of which had a Protestant majority, but if you included six, you just overall got a Protestant majority, even though six, two of those counties had a Catholic major- majority, in order to get the biggest slice of Ireland to stay with Britain um, as possible. But now Sinn Féin are the largest party in local government. They've got 144 seats across local councils, as opposed to the Democratic Unionist Party, 122. There was a crisis of unionism, and they're splintering and dividing and fragmenting, whilst there's been more of a consolidation of the nationalist vote in that the old Social Democratic Labour Party has massively declined in favour of uh, Sinn Féin. Um, so, but the point, you know, you know, the, that she made is the nationalist vote outpolled the unionist vote for the first time. Belfast City Council, which was a traditional unionist stronghold, now only has 17 unionist councillors out of 60. And I do think it's interesting because if you look at the Democratic Unionist Party, they're such a hardcore right wing, extremely religious party that is completely out of sync with young, many young Protestant voters in a way that Sinn Fein wouldn't be, which has a progressive position more in line with where younger people are at. So I think there's a general crisis there. The DP are currently boycotting the assembly in protest at the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, but the point that she made is the DP created those conditions for Sinn Féin because, um, uh, because Sinn Féin didn't focus on the United Ireland elections, but on you know, devastating cuts to public services, uh, including a crisis loan uh, for some of the most vulnerable people getting a 75% cut and the collapse of devolved government. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I do think, and you're not, I mean, I support United Ireland, um, but based on consent. And I do think, you know, there is a there is an opportunity there in the coming. Um, I mean, it's not going to happen in the next 10, 20 years, I would say. But who knows? Things can change. And I do think Brexit has accelerated that process. Anyway, very interesting, Tad. Thank you for bringing that up. I did, uh, I studied Northern Ireland um, when I was at university. Um, one of the things I wrote about was the fact I wrote about class politics in Northern Ireland. And it was very interesting for me about how, I guess how, um, cause that's one, you know, from a leftist upbringing kind of educated to understand class politics often as, you know, you look at kind of left-wing movements and social expressions of class politics. But what I learned there is you can get class expressions in reactionary movements um, so before uh, the late 60s, you got this uh, unionist cross-class alliance where Protestant workers were met, encouraged to believe that their interests didn't align with their fellow Catholic or nationalist Republican workers, but with often very aristocratic unionist types as well as unionist bosses. That what you got um, as the troubles began after the civil rights movement of the late 60s is that uh, cross-class alliance fragmented in ways which were often very problematic. So you've got, you know, kind of hardcore 
you got, for example, a general strike in 1974 against the Sunningdale Agreement, which was an attempt to build a kind of primitive Good Friday Agreement. Um, and you got the uh, uh, you got this loyalist enforced strike, um, and there was a sense by you know of the loyalists faction that the softy aristocratic wing of unionism were selling them down the river. Um, but it, it was still it, it's interesting because you know there were other attempts to kind of build alliances between workers on both sides of the divide, and I do think there's more of a possibility for that now than there was, despite those entrenched divisions anyway interesting um tom great show today no mind the bees thank you tom we, we move we go, i mean i mean it's important just because we've not done this for ages and then we got invaded by bees just for fun oasis versus blur versus slow dive oh very interesting well in the 90s because i grew up in, I grew up in stockport so as a mancunian i would have said oasis um but i saw blur live first slow dive i love slow dive i used to listen to them with one of my best friends a lot What's my favourite rubber slow dive band? Look them up anyway. They slow dive are great, everyone. Uh, so let's make a one angry pagan. Let's make a socialist party. Uh, then, um, yeah, I mean the problem is always the electoral system. And um, look, I mean, I wrote a piece in support of a hung parliament last week, um, and one of the reasons I wrote that is um, that if you look at the prospects for electoral reform, there's no way in hell Keir Starmer will. Look allow electoral reform if Labour win a majority. But if there was a hung parliament and smaller parties made that condition of supporting Labour, then maybe we could get a referendum of proportional representation. It'd be tricky, that referendum. Um, not like, If you look back to the alternative vote referendum in 2011, that was very different because that system sucked, by the way. Um, not least because it could come up with less proportionate systems than our one, which is not really what what you're after, really, is if you're going to change the electoral system, you can make things worse. Um, but you could just see how there was support for that, but then the media kicked in and threw everything at it. And, you know, with proportional representation, you'd have both parties against it. I'm not sure where all the trade unions would stand. Um, and much of the right-wing media, so you need a big grassroots movement. And the problem with PR is a lot of the people who are pushing it are the same sorts of people who are behind what I'd regard as the centrist continuity remain movement, which was a real disaster. It's tone deaf, didn't know how to reach people who mattered in terms of winning people over those. Um, so I do worry about that. But yeah, I think, you know, electoral reform is the only way to make that possible. State daft, fascinating stuff. Thanks for all that, Owen. T-shirts available now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so, Yeah, as I said, <laughs> you can't, I mean... It, the unfortunate thing is we always do a tech test with our guests. It was, he, as you could hear, he was pristine and then just stopped being pristine sounding. So we don't, I don't know what that happened, but we move. Uh, David Brasser, great first show, Brack. Thank you. I think for, I speak for our fellow guys, please ask to do more shows in that top. I mean, if I hadn't worn this top in these circumstances, it would have looked horrific because I can't tell you how hot it is in here. And I just come back from the gym when I was already feeling terrible um okay great okay everyone i think i should uh leave it there but we got through we got lots of interesting stuff through partly down to you lot. you basically carried this show <laughs> so i do appreciate it given it was at such short notice um uh so thanks everyone for taking part thanks to james and the bees and the daleks um do press like and subscribe anyway um we will return next wednesday at five o'clock with no bees or wasps um, or interference, I'm sure. Seems very unlikely. Um, um, 
yeah, we've got we've got lots of oh, we've got lots of interviews coming up. Obviously, want suggestions on Patreon. I'm going to do another shout out for interviews. I know I'm I'm going to I'm going to get someone from the Green Party. To, I know because people keep raising this to to talk about making the case. I did interview Matt's our cousin about that. He used to be Jamie Corbyn's spokesperson. He's defected to the Greens. Um, I was going to get a kind of maybe ask the deputy leader of the Green Party, one of the deputy leaders, to speak to us. I thought that'd be interesting. Um, and but we've got lots of interviews coming up with kind of interesting thinkers, that kind of thing. But I'll do a shout out for suggestions, um, and uh, we'll do our daily videos. Um, I am. Um, I don't want to think. By the way, yeah, I'm just. Can I say it? I don't know. Um, I just don't because I'm going to from next Monday. I'm going to be in Spain for a while. The reason for that is, um, without just divulging too much of my private life, it's just I don't want people to think, oh, look, Jess setting all around the world again. Because um, my partner is a Brazilian doctor and, uh, well, trying to retrain as a doctor here. And um, just visa issues, the immigration system. So I have to go to Spain, otherwise uh, we can't, uh, otherwise, obviously, we'll be separated so i'm gonna go to spain for a while and um, but i'll just do these shows every day uh, not these live shows but i will do videos every day um, and we will do the live shows so i will be in that uk time next wednesday at 5 p.m so i will see you uh all then yeah do like and subscribe support some patreon.com for slash we will go back to the documentaries i'm sorry life has just got in the way of everything to be honest with you it really has um but I'm doing my best and I'm doing it all thanks to all your support as ever keeping the show on the road. So yeah, I will see you all tomorrow with whatever video we do and um, I will, I'll leave it there. Thanks for putting up for, with us today. These things happen. Lots of love. Take care everyone. See you in a bit. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.